Thank you so much, Melody. Have you made it personal, amen? He died for you, amen. He died for me. I hope you know him as your Savior. Open your Bibles to the Old Testament book of 2 Kings chapter 6 and 7. And the children up through age 8, you're welcome to go to Children's Church if you like. All the children up through age 8. And as Art was praying, don't you thank God for the children, the young people. All of us. And thank God for faithful workers. <clears throat> if you'll find Second Kings, the Old Testament book of Second Kings, chapter 7, let me read a verse there and then we're going to read, uh, we're just going to read some scripture this morning. It's pretty, it explains itself pretty simple. An Old Testament story, and we find ourselves in the days we're living explaining what we mean by that. It's not just a story. It's an inspired account of a real historical event. Not just a story in the sense of a fairy tale or make-believe. These aren't, they're more than just stories, amen. Real historical events. And I hope today that just reminding ourselves of this particular story will motivate us to get involved. That's the subject matter today. Let's just get involved, amen. There's a lot of battles to be involved in, a lot of ministries, and we all can do something by the grace of God. And here's a story of four, four of the most unlikely men <laughs> who decided we can do something, amen. We can do something. God does work in mysterious ways, doesn't he? If you've got your Bible open to 2 Kings chapter 7, and look with me at verse 3. 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 3. And there were four leprous men of all things. Four lepers. <laughs> at that day, that was pretty serious, wasn't it? Four leprous men at the entering of the gate. And they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? That's a good question, isn't it? Why sit we here until we die? Isn't there something, even in our leprous condition, <laughs> even in our circumstances, isn't there something that even we can do? Now, what in the world's taking place here? Go back with me to 2 Kings chapter 6, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 24, and we find out what the situation is. Chapter 6 of this book, 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning with verse 24. And it came to pass after this, that is, after a period of peace and quietness for a certain amount of time, that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host, or all his armies, and went up and besieged Samaria. Now look up here for a minute. Usually when you think of the nation of Israel, you think of Jerusalem as being the capital. But here it's talking, remember, the, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament was divided north and south. Jerusalem was the capital of southern Judah. Samaria here is the capital of northern Israel. So Samaria is the capital here. And, and Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, which was a superpower of that day, and we're still having trouble with Syria, aren't we, by the way? And so he brings all of his armies and he puts a siege on the northern capital of Samaria. 
and and how long and you know how long did this take place i'm not absolutely sure but verse 25 continues by saying and there was a great famine and now we're going to find out how bad they're shut in there's no food and this goes on and on and verse 25 says and there was a great famine in samaria and behold they besieged it until an ass's head was sowed for four score pieces of silver. Now, if you study that out, things are getting pretty bad. And the fourth part of a cab of doves dung for five pieces of silver. Now, some suggest that that was more for fuel, not necessarily eating, but if you're starving to death, you'll eat about anything, won't you? And it continues to get worse. And as the king of Israel, now, the king of Syria is mentioned in verse 24. His name has been Hadad. And the king of Israel, northern Israel here, is Jehoram. He's the son of Ahab and Jezebel. And uh, he's mentioned here as the son of a murderer, Jehoram. And notice it says, verse 26, As the king of northern Israel was passing upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him and saying, Help my lord, O king. She's crying out to, his, to the president or the king or the government to help in this situation. And in verse 27, the king, or we would say the president, cried back in verse 27 and said, If the Lord Jehovah do not help thee, when shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor that's empty or out of the wine press that's empty? It's like he's saying, listen, who do you think I am? I'm not God. What do you expect me to do? In this situation. And in verse 28, the king said unto her, Well, what aileth thee? Now watch verse 28. And she answered back and said, Well, this particular woman said unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him, and she hath hid her son. Now, do you believe what you read in the Bible? Now, you read that and you think, My soul. How, and there's not enough words in the dictionary to describe a horrible event like that. How do you respond to something like that? Well, I'll tell you what, folks. The videos I see and what little I know about the butchering of babies today in the mother's womb and now even outside the womb isn't any worse than what we're reading about right here from God's perspective. Amen? It's unbelievable. If it's hard to believe this, how in the name of heaven can we explain what we see taking place and now even legalizing and, and condoning? My goodness, how much further can we go? Amen? Are you with me? And notice how the king responds to this in verse 30. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he even rent his clothes. Now we're not dealing here with a spirit-filled born-again Christian necessarily. I mean, here's a heathen man himself. And he can't believe what he's hearing. And he rents his clothes. And, he, and as he continued walking on the wall around Samaria, the people looked and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. And he said, God do so to me, and more also to me, if the head of Elisha 
the son of Zaphat shall not stand on him this day. Now, Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha is the prophet of the day. Isn't it amazing how God's people get blamed? Here, it wasn't the prophet of God. The prophet of God just predicted and foretold that the judgment of God is coming. The judgment of God is coming. And when it started coming, guess who everybody's mad at? The prophet of God. And here the king mentions God, first of all. He mentions him in the sense, I'm not God. What do you expect me to do? And second of all, he said, listen, the head of that prophet is going to roll today. If not, God let my head be rolled. And then in verse 32 it says, But Elisha the prophet sat in his house, and certain elders sat with him. And the king, Jehoram, sent a man from before him. He sends a messenger. And the prophet of God said in verse 32, See how this son of a murderer hath sent to take away mine head? Now you look, when the messenger cometh, you shut the door and hold him fast at the door is not the sound of his master's feet behind him. The king is sending a messenger, and now the king himself is coming. We don't have time to read the whole story. And I believe in verse 33 now, the prophet of God is actually speaking to the master or the king himself. And look what he says. And while he yet talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him, and he said... And I believe this is the king based on chapter 7, verse 18. You'll have to read the whole story. Behold this evil, or this famine, this affliction is of the Lord. And what should I wait for the Lord any longer? And so the king again looks at the prophet of God and said, Is it going to do any good to wait on God? To trust God? I mean, the mess we're in now. We might as well just give up and wave the white flag, hadn't we? Is there any real need to even wait on God? God's through. We're going to hell in a handbasket. It's all over. (laughs) That's a pitiful picture, isn't it? And then in chapter 7, verse 1, look what the prophet of God said. And then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Let's listen to God for a change. Thus saith Jehovah, Tomorrow, about this time, Shall a measure of fine flour be sowed for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria? Now you compare all that and say, wow, tomorrow God said we're going to feast. Today it's famine. Tomorrow we're going to feast. And verse 32 says, Then a lord or a servant on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And Elisha the prophet said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not eat thereof. Now, if we had time to read the whole seventh chapter, he explains all that. One of the king's servants laughed at the prophet of God and said, You think things are going to change that much in 24 hours? Said, Why, this Jehovah God would have to open the windows of heaven. And Elisha said, Friend, you're going to see it, and you won't eat a crumb of it. And by the way, at the end of the story, you know what happened? The king just so happened to pick this guy to watch the gate and be in charge of crowd control. 
And at the end of chapter 7, it says, man, listen, you've been starving enough and you heard there's food out there in the field. They ran over him and stomped him to death. He died right on the spot. That's God's judgment, isn't it? Now, here's the background of this story. <laughs> I'd say it's a pretty desperate situation, wouldn't you? And then they're just giving, even the king, oh, everybody said, hey, you no need to wait. Now let's just wave the white flag and give up. We're going to hell in a handbasket. The nation's gone. We're gone. Nothing we can do. And the prophet of God said, well, let's listen to the Lord. We serve a great God. He can sure change things and he can do it quickly if he wants to. Now we come to verse 3 and here the focus is on four lepers who are sitting at the gate of Samaria. And look what they said. I suspect in verse 3, maybe one of them at least out of the four said, you know what, are we just going to sit here and die? And then he says in verse 4, if we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we're going to die. Now the truth is, they, according to the Mosaic law, they weren't allowed to go back into the city because of quarantine their lepers. But they're saying, you know what, if we just sit here, we're going to die. And even if we could sneak back into the city, we're going to die. they're dying in there. Matter of fact, they're eating an ass's head and, and either cooking or eating dove's dung. That'll get you ready for lunch, won't it? Amen? And said, so whether we sit here and die or we can go in there and die, now we've got one more option. We've got a third option. And look what it is in the latter part of verse 4. Now therefore, come on, let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall but die. <laughs> That's a pretty desperate situation. If we sit here, are we going to sit here and die? If we go in the city, we're no better off. Now, only, now we're not condoning surrendering to the enemies, but you know what? They said, look, look out there at all those tents. Look at all those torches burning. It's twilight, the Bible, it's, it's getting near dark. Look at all that hose. You hear them laughing, partying. They got all kind of food and water and, out there. Said just maybe if us four lepers would go over there, if they kill us, well, <laughs> we're going to die anyway, you know. But it may be that they will show mercy on us and give us some food. So now look what happens. It gets exciting now. Don't you love these Bible historical accounts? Watch verse 5. And these four lepers rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no person there, no man there. What? Where's all the soldiers? Where's everybody? Now, I mentioned a minute ago they heard all the laugh and all the partying. Well, they heard that up to a point. And all of a sudden, it was quiet. Where'd everybody go? And verse 6 says, for God had done something. For the Lord, verse 6 of chapter 7, had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses 
even the noise of a great host, a great army. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the Hittites and the Egyptians to come upon us. And wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even, as, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and they ate and they drank and they carried out silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried fence also and went and hid it. Wow, can you believe that? How many of you really believe that happened? Amen. Listen, there wasn't one chariot. There wasn't one enemy soldier. But do you believe God can put a noise in your head? Amen. We serve a great God. And all these, the hosts, all the armies of Ben-Hadad, the Syrians, fled in fear. Matter of fact, if you read on down through the chapter, you read on down through there, they come back and tell the king of Israel what happened. And he said, it's a trap. It's a trap. They're hid out there. Well, you know, you have to give him credit, you know. So they send some soldiers out there and not only, and they, they follow them all the way to the Jordan River and they find clothing and garments and stuff scattered all the way down to Jordan where they were running in the night. And God, and you talk about, boy, when the fear of God gets a hold of you, they were running for their life, wasn't they? Now look what these, can you put yourself in the place of these four lepers? Man, they're, they're, man, they're, they're look at verse 9. Then these lepers said one to another, we do not wail. They were eating, they were hiding silver and gold and all this stuff. In verse 9 it says, we do not wail. We're not doing the right thing. This day is a day of good tidings. And here we are holding our peace. Why, if we tarry till morning light, God's going, I'm adding here, God's going to see to it that some mischief will come upon us now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came and called into the port of the city, and they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there's nobody there. Neither the voice of man, but the horses are tied, and the asses are tied, and the tents as they were. Everything's there, food and water and gold and silver. Number one, you see, these four lepers could have just continued sitting there at the gate, in indifference and apathy. You know, I believe that's where some Christians are today. Ah, Pastor Hall, America's going to hell in a handbasket. God's judgment, you're wasting your time. Just hold the fort till Jesus comes and try to get a soul saved here or there. Going down to Richmond on April the 3rd, isn't going to come. That ain't what God called us to do. All this and all that. By the way, you look around the world, you look at our nation. You listen in the news enough, it's easy to get that attitude in. Just get discouraged, despondent. Let's just hang on. Hopefully, 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 if we you know the rapture will happen today and God will just get us all out of this mess. Now, we need to be concerned. We need, so let's just sit here and die. Amen. Let's just hang on and die until Jesus comes. Apathy, unconcerned. I think some Christians are there today. They just feel like there's no hope. They're just hanging on, hanging on till Jesus comes. 
On the other hand, second of all, these lepers, when they went out, they, they said, well, let's do something. Let's just, uh, bless their heart. They said, let's, uh, let's just not sit here and die. Let's at least come. And if we, at least if, we, if, if the Syrians kill us, at least we've done something. We've tried to do something. I'd rather die in the will of God than live outside of the will of God. Wouldn't you, folks? Wouldn't you? Sometimes, and, and I mean this, you know, sometimes people say, well, I, I'd have a nervous breakdown if I... Well, if it's God's will, you ain't going to have no nervous breakdown. And if you do, well, bless God, God can take care of that. Amen? You're better off dead in the will of God than living out of the will of God. And they said, well, we're going to do something. Well, when they got over there, man, you know, it, it's almost too good to be true. Man, here they are feasting. And they're, they're hiding all that. You know, well, you know, I guess that would be just a normal response, wouldn't it? And then all of a sudden, one of them thinks, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh my, it's almost like the shock of it. We, we were just so overwhelmed, food, water, and, and ah, whew, glory to God, we're living it up. Here we are, look at us, we're, we're, we're in a nice comfortable building. We got even the PA, I mean, even if the PA system squeaks a little bit, we all get all beside ourselves and go berserk and have a hissy fit. I mean, we got heat, we got air conditioning, we got padded pews, we got, we got everything. Oh, bless God, oh my goodness, God's been so good to us. And we're enjoying our affluence and our abundance. And the world around us is going to hell. On the one hand, there are those who are despondent and discouraged and just given up. They'd never admit it. On the other hand, there are some of us, day by day, we enjoy God's goodness and God's grace and God's abundance. And somehow we're so busy with life and God's goodness that we have no time to pray. We have no time to go to a stride for life or to get involved in some ministry in a church. We don't have a penny of money left to support any ministry because we're too busy paying for our houses and our cars and our boats. And by the way, there's nothing wrong or sinful with any of this. But are you following me this morning, folks? You see, these four lepers, all of a sudden they said, you know what, we're not doing the right thing here. We're not doing the right thing. We need to go back and let the king know and let others. They're starving. They, they're lost people out there. Oh, glory to God, I can sit here today and my heart bubbles over and I listen to the songs. I listen to the choir. And I listen to Melody sing that he died for me and, and tears come up and, and I'm trying to get a hold of my emotions before I step up here to the microphone and, and so forth, you know, because we're not supposed to shed a tear in public, you know, and be a real man, bless God. And we think, glory to God, that's wonderful for me. But what about the people I'll be rubbing shoulders with later today? Maybe at a restaurant or the gas station. What about my co-workers tomorrow at the factory? What about even somebody here today who may have had an abortion in the past or participating in encouraging someone to have an abortion and there's guilt and there's heartache? Is there, can someone take an interest in them enough to say, hey, God, there's forgiveness with Jesus. There's the grace of God. Hallelujah. There's forgiveness. And it's not just us for us four and no more. It's for everyone who will come and accept it and receive it. Amen. And maybe somewhere along the way I could find 
something that I could get out of my life and adjust my finances where I could have an extra dollar to support a missionary or support a ministry like Comfort Care. Surely to God, there's something any of us, that all of us can do. And the lepers, maybe there's some here today, and and humanly speaking, I I look around sometimes and I just want to wave the white flag and say, hey, we're going to hell in a handbasket. Let's forget it. Let's just, just, just... Keep having church and and all. And Jesus, maybe if we're lucky, he'll come tonight. Amen. Or I can go on just enjoying the the silver and gold and the abundance that God gives. And and, uh, just not, well, I just don't have time. Don't have time to get involved in anything. But the four lepers in verse 9 said, you know what? We do not wail. And if we're still doing this when the morning light comes. Now, folk, we're living in the night of darkness. But the morning light's coming. Jesus, I'm, Either by death or by the second coming of Christ, the day the day's going to dawn. Amen. I'm going to see Jesus one day. And these four lepers had sense enough to know. Listen, some mischief. We're going to, we're responsible. We're responsible for what we do with what God has done here. And we're going to give an accountability. And they did what they could. And they went back and they shared the news. And it was too good to be true. The king said, it's a trap, it's a trap. Well, they sent the soldiers out. They found out it was exactly like these lepers said. And if you come to verse 16 down at the end of chapter 7, It simply says in verse 16, And the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sowed for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. You know what? In 24 hours. Now God doesn't do everything that speedily, but in 24 hours God was able to turn that thing around. Well, it's never going to happen in America these laws will never be changed. This will never happen. You're never going to have another spiritual awakening. You're never going to... Never, 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 never. Well, let's just close our Bibles and go home. Amen. Remember the story one time. I, y'all talk about Martin Luther years and years ago. One of the great reformers, we call him. One day he came downstairs and his wife was dressed all in black. She had her funeral garments on. And Martin Luther looked at her and said, What? Who, who died? Whose funeral? I, I, I forgot. He, he just And she said, Oh, who died? Don't, I thought you knew. Well, no, I see you dressed in, your, you, you wired that to funeral. said, Who died? And she said, Well, I thought God did. And Martin Luther, well, you imagine Martin Luther, What? That's blasphemy. So, well, no, honey, he said, the way you've been going around here lately, my goodness, so depressed and despondent, said, I thought God must have died or something. And he said, wow, what, what a sermon my wife preached to me that day. <laughs> you know, if we're not careful, we can get that way, don't we? Oh, God still, we serve the same God Elisha served, amen? Let's not limit God. We don't know what God has planned for America. We don't know what God, God, God did all this in 24 hours. God turned things around. Oh, am I just going to sit around and be despondent and die? 
Am I just going to hoard it all up and thank God I'm going to heaven? The rest of the world can go to hell in a handbasket, amen? Or will we do what we can? Some of us maybe can't do too much financially. Maybe physically, some of us can only do so much. But all of us can do something, amen? All of us can do something. Shall we give up or go forth? Shall we sit and die or shall we go and tell? Amen. Let's all do something for the glory of God. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, will you sit and die and go to hell without Jesus Christ or will you repent of your sin and come to Jesus? It's your decision. If you're here today and you're not a born-again Christian, we plead with you, come to Jesus. <laughs> Don't just procrastinate and procrastinate till that heart takes its last beat and you go into eternity without Jesus. Come to Jesus. There's so much. Ministries here at this church, ministries at other churches, the revival meeting coming up, Strive for Life, Mission Work. Oh my goodness, folk. Don't just sit around and wait for Jesus to come. Let's get busy. Let's go forth. Surely, even in the, the circumstances of the lepers, no matter what your condition and circumstance is, by God's grace, we can all do something, amen, and see what God can do in the end. Would you stand with me while heads are bowed and eyes are closed? Father, speak to our heart today. Lord, just challenge us to just get involved, to pray, do all that we can in all these areas for your honor and glory. And if there's someone here today unsaved, Lord, draw them to Jesus. Draw them to Jesus that they might be saved. And we'll give you the glory. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to ask the pianist just to play a verse or two. Here's what I want you to do. If you're here today and you're not 100% sure that you're saved, why don't you let one of our men or one of our ladies pray with you? If you have a question, maybe they can help you with it in the Bible. Come to Jesus. I don't know. I, I hope there's not one unsaved person here, but even in a group this size, there may be someone here today and there's a question mark on your heart. Folks, listen, we're dealing with God's truth. This is real. He died for you on that old rugged cross. But if you're not willing to humble your heart and repent and trust Him and accept Him as your Savior, you're going to die and go to hell one day. Young people, are you listening? Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. If we can help you with that, step out to that aisle. Walking down this aisle won't save you, but it will give someone an opportunity to pray with you and help you. And would you do what I'm asking God to do in my heart right now? I don't want to just sit on the sideline. I don't want to just enjoy God's blessings, but surely there's something that even Frank Hall can do. Pray a prayer, give a dollar, participate in something. Surely there's something every one of us can do. And trust, if we'll do our part, God will do His one. Let's just get involved. Not just, let's not just be spectators. Let's be participators. Amen. And just let God take us and use us for His honor and glory. If there's anything at all that we can help you with today, 
you come and let us know. I'm going to ask the pianist to play one more verse, and that'll be all. If we can help you, you come right now.